Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. So today I have the pleasure of um, having a previous guest come back, who is a colleague and friend, Melanie Sutherland. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am always grateful to chat with you and chat with your audience. So it's nice to be back. Yeah. And, you know, we have so many, you know, it's so nice that, you know, us as a group of colleagues, you know, have, we're, yeah, well, I guess the keyword of 2020, 2021 is like pivoting and we're all, you know, trying to forge forward in a new realm. And so there's always new things for us to talk about. Well, and I, I think, you know, you said it, right there, which will probably lead into our conversation, but having the community to be able to bounce ideas off and as entrepreneurs to really pivot, but, you know, pivoting is scary. Everybody pivot, like pivots, like a word that you just throw out. Oh, I pivoted. Pivoted is scary. And it's really important to have that community of like-minded women around us to, to bounce those ideas off. And what does pivoting really mean? And can you hold my hand while I pivot? Because I'm going to pivot while I pivot, you know, I'm going to pivot while I'm puking the other way. Mm. There's moments of like, Oh, I don't know this, you know, this, this feels so unusual um, that, you know, you get butterflies in your stomach and you question like, am I doing the right thing? And, you know, and and it's interesting because I think a lot of what we want to do, and I think this is very true for the ladies in our mastermind group is that um, we have like massive, well, it's called massive transformative purpose. Like we are driven by a purpose to impact people's lives. And so our missions, like we're willing to step into that wilderness and do what we need to do to make important health impacts for people. And I, I think, you know, that has been the beauty of this year, really. I mean, I think that had we not been presented with the challenges that we've had this year, and if we hadn't come together as a community and like really sort of cheered each other on, because I know that each one of us throughout the last year has had a moment at some point in that journey when we were like, I just want a turtle. I just want to like close my eyes, turn off all the lights and not do anything. But I think looking back at it and God knows we're not through it yet. But I think at, you know, where we started over a year ago, holy smokes, people are doing some incredible things. And I think what we've actually just done is not just launched our businesses into a new realm. We found these really unique ways to serve our clients in a different way and have that massive purposeful impact because people really need it and what's really cool not just in our industry but is to see people rising to the challenge to create a broader impact really globally absolutely so you know we're talking about you know we're we're, we're throwing the word community out a lot and so um 
you know, I, I know that you ha- are working um, on so many different community initiatives. Like in our previous podcast, we talked about the teen collective and creating yeah. a, a, a community of young women um, to teach them about their bodies. And, and so you've created this community and now you're sort of working on creating another community for uh, women. And so I think it might be helpful for us to talk about community health as medicine, because I think it's really relevant to our times because it's, it's so interesting. We're so hyper-connected with technology, yet we're physically not allowed to be around each other. And you know, how, how that happens is impacting our health, like is yet to be really seen to its full extent. Yeah. So yes, um, community has been a big part of my journey this year. And I think it's really interesting. I seem to keep landing on these communities that for me are stages in a woman's life that is often very transitional or transformative. So, you know, the teens, we have a prenatal one, Um, But this one really focuses on women and my real impetus for starting to bring this new community, the wild collective into being is that, you know, if we look at the stats of what women are experiencing as a reflection of isolation and just the sheer anxiety in the world right now, 71% of women have actually said that their load combined between professional load, domestic load and parenting load is actually untenable. And what we're seeing, you know, pandemic aside, is this massive spike in not just mental, but also physical health. We've seen it in our public health clients, right? I've seen an overwhelming number of women who are coming in with tight pelvic floors, which I'm convinced is from perpetual stress. So it's really interesting and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see the numbers when they can actually run them post pandemic. But the good news is there, there is some, some science on social isolation and it's staggering. Like, you know, when I started to dive into this, I went down this rabbit hole and I was like, oh, oh my God, social isolation. And let's be clear because a lot of people think I'm not socially isolated. I'm in my house. I've got my kid. Like I could not be less socially isolated, but social isolation is the lack of meaningful and purposeful interaction. It's being able to see people outside of your house and not just robotically go through a day. So I think we could make the argument that all of us, even in the busiest of households are somehow socially isolated. Well, I was going to say, you know, yes, I have my husband and I have my daughter, but the conversations that I have with my daughter are very different than the conversations I have with my husband, which are very different conversations that I have with my fellow, you know, female friends who are sort of in the same kind of um, age group or like sort of similar in, you know, whether it's entrepreneurship or, you know, like groups with similarities, um, the conversations that I'd be having with them, like, you know, some of the stuff that I go through as a woman, like my husband can't understand. No. Right. And then he wants to fix it, which makes me angry. Right. Cause it's like, I I just, I'm like, I just want to talk and like, get it out. I don't need a solution. I'm pretty good at finding solutions. Um, but it's it, there's something to be said about connecting with like-minded individuals that's different from people in your household. 
Well, and you know, here's what's really interesting about exactly what you just said. Yes, our husbands are empathetic to the plight of women, how much they're actually helping us in the mental burden of all of this, I think is yet to be seen. But women are wired differently. Like women's DNA is actually structured for connection. And if we look ancestrally, you know, the phrase, it takes a village isn't just, um, you know, something that we came up with. Ancestrally, women gathered in tribes and shared the child burden or the child care burden. You know, women passed down stories and remedies and health in this circular format. So if we look at our anthropology, women come from a legacy of storytelling and connection and men, not quite so much. And the other thing is, you know, intuitively our cycles flow different than men. So the minute you start isolating women from women, and I think what we're seeing is we are connecting online professionally. We are connecting online for our kids. We are connecting in our families. But at the end of the day, when we feel like we have nothing left, What's missing is that connection on between women. And what the stats are showing is that social isolation is more, it's, it's the highest of all cause morbidity. And it actually carries a risk for premature morbidity that is higher than smoking 15 cigarettes a day, higher than having six alcoholic drinks a day, and higher than the risk of um, obesity or sedentary. So this is a real problem. Like connection is to women, what water is to hydration, what food is to nutrition, like it is an essential part of our health. And, you know, these are stats before pandemic. So I can only imagine what they're going to be when we look at the type of social isolation we've, we've been dealing with in the last year. Uh, yeah, I, I, I try not to, sometimes I try not to let my mind go too far um, because it, it, it's saddening and it's, and it's scary. Um, and you know, we're all, you know, I, I, I even personally feel for myself that like, I am not nearly as connected as I was before, because I have so much stuff on my plate that by the time I have a moment, like I just messaged my, you know, girlfriend the other day and I was like, listen, like I need to go for a walk or something. I need to catch up. It's been like four weeks since I've talked to her, you know, except for via text because I don't have time. But right? you know, I'm going to challenge that because I think the perception is that we don't have time. But really, if you look at what our life is now and what our life was pre-pandemic, I'm going to hazard a guess that you spent a lot of time driving your child to and from activities or to and from play groups. I'm going to hazard a guess that you and your husband probably met up with people more often. I think the time argument is our perceived time because I do think we're tired. I do think we're exhausted, but here's what I also know. I also know that just like social isolation has a big impact, connection has a massive impact and We've seen this in cancer patients, women who are well-connected uh, when they're going through treatment for ovarian cancer have 27% better clinical outcomes. Women who gather together prenatally, their babies have better birth weights. So I think when we mm -hmm. put aside the story of time, what we actually find is when women create time for themselves or prioritize themselves, they become less fatigued. They become less exhausted. They take their health up a notch 
And all of a sudden they're more efficiently able to do the stuff that feels like it's already piled on their plate. Absolutely. Yeah, I I do. I do agree. It's so natural to like go to, I don't have time. But here right? it's, such a, it's such a default mode, right? But your brain is structured that way. You have two neurologic systems, one that governs the social side of your brain and one that, cover, that covers all the logical non-social side of your brain. So when we don't use the social side, our non-social side, our you know, task-oriented side is going to start to take over. And it's going to push us further and further away from wanting to make connection because it's showing us, nope, you got to do this. You got to check the list. You got to get on the Zoom call. Um, and really, it's it's a fallacy that we've created in our brain that we don't have the time for social connection. Interesting. Because as you're saying that, I'm like, yep, that sounds like me. Because I'm very sort of task, you know, orientated. Um, I don't know if that's like the type a personality trait coming in, or I I'm just used to, you know, go, go, go. Um, and so my form of making time for social activity was actually going to jujitsu classes, right. Mm -hmm. Being in and amongst the community. And, and I was, you know, pre pandemic trying to make a big deal of doing it three times a week. Um, and in order for me to do that with childcare, with school, with all the activities, like I really had to make the time and I made it. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, with the pandemic and with all the pressures of business and being, you know, in support of clients, but also not being able to access that, I feel like I've gotten, I don't know if the, I just, I have deprioritized social connection. And you're, you're so not alone on that. I actually had a mastermind with a group of women who are all in different fields the other day. And at the end of it, you know, we always end with this question of what do you need from us? And so when they, it was my turn and they asked me that, I was like, you know, I need you guys to know that every time you offer me a social opportunity and I say no, the first three times, I need you to offer it to me the fourth time. And they, they were like, what? Like, aren't you running a course on connection? And I was like, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm actually not any different than anybody else. And my, my default switch right now is I'd rather make myself a tea, put on my sweatpants, curl up and scroll through my phone. So I'm not any different than anybody else. But I think you're right, like we have to put these reminders and that's why sometimes actually investing in something or like literally putting that walk in the calendar with your friend or like making it something that is a goal to connect two or three times a week so we do it with intentionality is required because otherwise that other side of our brain is going to take over and as it does that we're going to see decrease in cognition. We're going to see decrease in executive functioning. We're going to see decrease in our physical expressions of wealth. And we're actually changing ourselves at a genomic level. Yeah. Let's, let's, you know, let's talk about some of like, let's dive a little bit more into uh, some of the science piece in terms of, you know, community health as medicine. Like, can you speak to like, or can you list off some key important benefits? Yeah, well, it's really interesting. Um, James Maskell is kind of like the father of community medicine right now. He read a he wrote a great book called The Community Cure. 
And in it, he talks about, you know, why social isolation is so high on all cause morbidity, morbidity, morbidity. Um, you know, when you think like, if you smoke physiologically, you can understand why that harms your lungs and ups that when you drink alcohol, you understand the impact it has on your liver and the ability to detox the body. But what it really showed is when we are connected in a meaningful, purposeful, intentional way, we become accountable to those people. And so when we're trying to make transformative health change, it becomes a much easier access. And there was this one study, um, which kind of just, you know, it was my aha moment. He actually looked at the 10 most prescribed medications in the US. And what he found is despite these being prescribed regularly, they were only 20% effective. So if you had 100 people of those 100 people that that top medication was prescribed to, it actually only had a benefit for two or sorry, for 20 of those. So those people are going home, they're taking the pills, but they're still not doing the other things. And then he compared that to things like the Cleveland Clinic, for example, has started to run group functional medicine programs. And actually, before you can even see some of their top physicians, you have to go through this community lifestyle program, which is based heavily in education and experience. And what they found is after 10 sessions in the community program, the people who had gone through that had done incredible things like reversing the signs of diabetes. Um, you know, we see it in other programs in the prenatal groups where women have healthier deliveries. There's less premature birth. There's higher birth weights. So we're coming up with all these outcomes. And I really think it has to do with the meaningful connection that creates radical responsibility and accountability. It's really easy to give somebody a pill or give somebody a plan and tell them to go off and do it. But you and I even know that for patients, right? Like we give our, we spend a lot of time with our patients. We educate them on an exercise and three out of four times they come back and they look at you sheepishly and they're like, so I wasn't so great on my exercise. So maybe we should push this appointment back. I would hazard a guess if those same women had to show up to a group of 20 other women who were all tasked with the same thing, I bet you they would have done that exercise. I bet you the clinical outcome would have become better. And we're seeing now that it's actually not just a far more efficient way to provide healthcare. It's far more effective and it's a lot easier from an access point for people. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I hear it all the time and certainly I can see it in my own life as well. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then it's like, you know, it's easy to let my mind's excuses sort of win. Um, but hundred percent, like, and I would totally use this tactic too, because, you know, like to make it three days, four days a week to jujitsu class prior to the pandemic, I, you know, like to keep myself on track, I would purposefully make sure I sent my friend a text to be like, or she'd send me like, are you coming? And I'm like, yeah, I'm coming, even though I didn't want to. And I mean, it's always the same thing. It's like, it's the getting there and the doing like getting started part. That's the hardest because every time I leave class, I feel so amazing. I have more energy. I feel so much better. Yes. Um, so I would use that social piece to, to make sure that I followed through and just didn't let the chatter in my mind win because it's just, they're just thoughts that, you know, I'm too tired. It's just a thought. It doesn't necessarily, it's like, okay, that's great. 
I'm, I'm glad that you thought you're tired, but you know that doing exercise is going to give you more energy. So just get there. And I think we can understand all of that on an intellectual basis, but you know, it, it is, it's that responsibility to somebody else because science again tells us we are far likely to disappoint ourselves than we are to disappoint somebody else. I mean, you and I are both McMaster alum. Yep. Um, and you know, they have this clinic there, the pace clinic, it used to be Mac turtles where for years and years and years, they've run this really successful program for cardiovascular patients after things like a heart attack. And the best thing, the best outcome they've found is that when people are tasked with coming in X number of times a week, their compliance rate goes up significantly when they give their spouse a membership. So when their spouse comes with them and they've got people who have been healthy without heart issues for decades after having major heart incident because of it. So I, yeah, I agree. Having that partner, having that group, we're going to see far higher compliance and transformational um, processes when we have those people on the other side of the fence waiting for us. Absolutely. Uh, And I, and I totally believe that to be true because, you know, when we take, when we talk about, you know, anthropological studies, I mean, that was my, that was my undergrad, right? So I was already in that sphere of understanding, like, and I just, I don't know, I, I, I thought about it and it was, you know, it was so, they were such nice things to hear, but like, weren't really, wasn't something that was necessarily part of my my life, but hearing about, you know, how women were supported with rites of passage, right? Like we know women have these transitions that call to question like our self-identity, you know, there are physical changes we're dealing with and they had this community, like they had the grandmothers and the mothers and not just the mothers, because sometimes we don't want to listen to our mothers. So we (laughs) had the community, right? And we had, we had these things and you know, and I would sit there and I'd be like, you know, how amazing would that be to have that type of support going, going through my life rather than kind of struggling to figure out like, am I normal? Is this normal? You know, and not, not really having a place to talk to anybody about it. Right. I'm just sort of thinking like, oh, I got my first period or, you know, I'm about to have my first baby. Like, is this normal? Is this normal? Am I okay here? And like, just not having a place to have a discussion because not everything works for everybody, but a place to explore and discuss and connect. Well, and not just even creating normalcy, but celebrating it. Like, I think, you know, women's health has often regarded in our society as an inconvenience and you know um I remember I only did one anthropology class but oh man did I love it because I did love hearing about those rituals and you know we talk about in our um menstrual cycle session we talk about the concept of the red tent how like women are revered during their menstrual cycle and they go in and they're fed and they're nurtured and their bodies are you know resting and much more in tune and aligned with their actual cycle versus in North American society, we follow a very male driven cycle, which is their 24 hour cycle. And we wonder why women feel burnt out because we're not actually following our own cycle or having those beautiful cultural experiences that other societies do that truly support and nourish women. women. So 
Yeah, it's a really good point. It's not just changing the conversation. It's also like, how do we thrive amid that conversation? Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm having like deja vu here a little bit, just because my previous podcast guests that released on Monday, we were all talking about how like, maybe we should put to rest the boss lady narrative and like, how do we work with our biology that honors us as women versus running on the sort of typical patriarchal cycle, right? Because our DNA is so different. And so, you know, we have women striving to be like men, especially in the entrepreneurial world that we're burning out and how do we better work with our cycles and not, you know, not be brought down by it, but actually be elevated by our physiology. And I, and and like, I was listening to her and I'm like listening to you and I'm like, I'm having all these like flashbacks, not literal ones, but like sort of (laughs) mental flashbacks of like studying different cultures and just being like, wow, you know, how amazing and how different would it be for us if we, if we maintain that, if we had that. And I, and I was actually thinking about like in my process of researching for like my birth prep um, course is, you know, imagine we also like uh, in the context of prep, imagine we had a community of women to prepare women for this like massive event yeah. Um, and I mean, they compared it to like preparing a man for, for war. And I'm not saying birth is the same as war, but it was like, yeah, how come like men have this community that helps them prepare for a big event, but we don't have this village. We don't have this community or this tribe to yeah. prepare us. I feel like it's, I'm, I'm like, I feel like it, it just feels like there's a piece missing. It is. But I think, you know, through having these conversations, slowly we draw attention to it. Nike women this week announced a training program that flows with women's menstrual cycle. Nike, Nike, like consistently their highest grossing advertising has been around their male athletes. Nike finally dropped a, a menstrual cycle training program, which is massive. So I think, you know, there's, there's no coincidence that I'm talking about it and your last podcast guest is talking about it and you're thinking about it and ruminating on it is because we know it's time for a change and women have been taken so far away from their intuitive health. And it's really time if we want them to thrive. Cause I do like, have you ever talked to a woman in society? Who's not like, Oh my God, I've got so much on my plate. I'm trying my best. Like I'm trying to like, women need to thrive. We need to, we can't keep following the groove that men are in when our bodies and our DNA and our mentality is completely different. So that return to self, that return to intuitive health, that's really what we need. And we need to do it in community. That's going to hold ourselves accountable because really we're going against the grain here. I'm, I'm having, well, I'm having lots of these like little like mental sparks happening here, but it just makes me think simply from like the polyvagal theory um, by Dr. Stephen Porges, which basically, um, Like I'm thinking about the physiology of what you just sort of said, where, you know, we're running around, we're doing things, most of us on the autonomic ladder. So that's, that's one of the things because our nervous system works on a hierarchy, right? So we have social and safety. So social engagement, safety. And if we don't feel safe and socially engaged, then we go into fight or flight mode. Um, And if fight or flight mode doesn't help us to survive, then we go into freeze Right. And I just, and I think about the 
health impacts of us sitting in that fight or flight or freeze all the time. When are we ever bringing ourselves into safety and social engagement? Like, is there a, like when we're running around, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have to hit this deadline. I got to get the kid here. Okay. Kids online. Okay. The technology is somewhere. That's not to me. It's like being able to recognize my physiology in that moment and be like, this is not safety and social engagement. And we know that stress, right? That if I'm in fight or flight, I'm releasing hormones and chemicals that are causing tension in my body, increasing my pain, reducing my sleep, messing up my digestion. Forget about having sex because I am way too stressed out for that, right? And so now, now it's like the pieces are coming together. No wonder that we're not yeah. as healthy as we should be. Well, and it's really interesting too, because I think society like has kind of given us like badges of martyrdom, like they've awarded us for our busyness and it's sent women headfirst into this perpetual state of like, do more, be more. But I was talking to Dr. Jordan Robertson out of Burlington um, Clarity Health this week, and she presented a theory called the differential sensitivity theory, which is taken from that polyvagal theory which says when women are consistently in that fight or flight zone, what we essentially do is take the resilience out of our nervous system because we need that nervous system to have that response, but also rebound from that response. When we're constantly doing that, we change our threshold for firing. And what that does is it means that, you know, how you respond to, let's say your PMS and how I respond to my PMS are different. But if one of us is chronically stressed and one of us has consistently depleted that neural system, we are not going to respond to normal hormonal fluctuations properly. Like these are the women who are throwing themselves into overwhelm, who are not managing their stress well, because we don't physiologically now have the neural system in place to manage what is normal hormonal regulation within our bodies. Yep. And, you know, if we don't start to come around to changing that soon, this has long lasting effects. These are the women's women whose adrenals are shot. These are the women who like their cortisone stress response is all over the map. These are the women who are gaining all this weight. And I always hate to put anything in a context of weight, but they're doing all the right things and they can't lose the weight because they don't have the systems in place to properly process what should be happening in their body. So yeah, I mean, you and I could totally nerd out about this, but I think the bottom line is, you know, if we don't start changing how we respond to chronic stress, if we don't start honoring those places of safety and community and intentional connection, we are really putting ourselves at detrimental risk um, for long-term morbidity. Absolutely. So let's let's change let's change gears into okay, we we know you know, this, these are the reasons why we need community. Let's yeah. talk about how, let's, what does community health as medicine look like? So you mentioned that you, you know, you're doing, you're, you're opening up the wild collective community. Can you talk to us about like, what, what is it? Like, what is it? Like, how is this going to elevate community health and like what's included? Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's a beautiful intersection of two things that are really happening right now. One, women aren't taking care of themselves or prioritizing themselves. Every woman I've heard 
says, you know, I've got to take care of my kids first. I got to take care of my family first. I got to take care of my business first. And if there's a teeny tiny bit of time left over, maybe I'll allot some time to me. But what they're also saying in the same breath is I'd like to be more fit. I'd like to get my nutrition on track. I'd like to find some sort of mindfulness practice, um, you know, and they've lost that touch with their intuitive health. Alongside of that is this whole social isolation piece. So the Wild Collective is really this beautiful marriage of taking a very robust women's health curriculum. And I say robust because there was topics in there that, I mean, I've been a women's health practitioner for 20 years now that I had to do some serious digging to learn all the stuff. Dr. Michelle Paris, the creator has done a beautiful job at really integrating some stuff that I had to go down some serious rabbit holes in the medical community to actually unearth. So it's this really robust uh, curriculum that centers on things like the, the women's cycle on the menstrual cycle. It talks about our digestion, but very much at a higher level and how there is that gut brain connection. It talks about women's coping mechanisms for stress and mood. We talk about thyroid because we know that that is thyroid dysfunction is 7% more prevalent in women and actually has a massive impact on fertility. Um, we talk about breasts and vagina because quite frankly, we're quite disconnected from them, but we do it in a place where connection and vulnerability are celebrated. We do it in a place where women can come together, where it's completely safe. And you know what they do is they create this emotional tie to this material they create an emotional tie to each other, which upholds the accountability piece. And when you put those two things together, a curriculum really centered in intuitive women's health and a community that supports these women, then we see transformative change, right? Then we see these women start to have those positive clinical outcomes that they're seeing at the Cleveland Clinic and at, that they're seeing in these prenatal groups. So these women who've never had time for themselves when they start to prioritize themselves. And like, when I say prioritize, we're talking like two hours every other week. I'm not saying like an hour a day, like really it's, it's very doable, but what they're doing is they're coming away. And, you know, Michelle's been running this community for four years. She has women who were in her very first group who continue to be with her four years later. And when they talk about their transformation, it's massive. Like, women who've up-leveled their careers, women who have done amazing things in their communities, women who have had physical transformations, women who have worked themselves out of chronic health conditions. So it's a really unique program that I love because I, you know, I think there's lots out there for diabetes and for general lifestyle, but I just love the curriculum of this and how it sort of brings women back to self. So that, that, that is where we're starting. That is amazing. Um, I had a, I had a comment I was going to make and now my brain is like spinning wheels to like get that train back on, on its track. Cause I clearly lost my thought, but, um, oh, I would, no, this is what I was going to say. It's amazing to see the change happen. And I think it's helpful if you know that you have people who have got your back. Yes right? It makes it easier to step into the unknown, to take that career or start that school or make that decision, um, you know, to exercise, to eat better, to address your chronic um, disease 
when you know that like, cause we all know days, some days are going to be hard, but if you know that like, man, I got, I got women, you know, holding, you know, we're, we're walking together hand in hand and I know I got my back covered. That makes it so much easier. Yeah. To step forward. And, and, you know, I have to say like, I'm a horrible person at keeping in touch with people. You know how some people have like their elementary school friends. My husband has the friends he went to school with in like grade three. And I'm not that person. Like I need something more structured to create that where women have my back because otherwise I will go off on my own and I will do stuff. And then, you know, inevitably six months later, I'll be like, Oh man, I really wish I had upheld that connection, but now it's too awkward to, to reach out. So I think, I think I'm not alone in that too. And I think there's a lot of women out there who just, they need that little extra push to prioritize themselves because it is really magical. And we do make sure that we're following up with them and we partner them up and there's exercises and challenges just to keep them engaged and interested. And it's, you know, it's really nice because, you know, there's big opportunities for extroverts to shine and really come through, but there's really quiet, thoughtful exercises too for the introverts to partner up in smaller groups. So it's really got a nice piece for everyone. And it, if people are scared, cause it sounds social, like sounds weird, but again, I'm not the most social person in the world. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I have to work really hard at it. And so hosting a group like this is me testing my boundaries too, but I'm, I'm really glad for the opportunity because I know I will be better because of these women who are trusting me to show up for themselves. Amazing. I was like, you're describing me, right? Like that's, and, and then I'm thinking, you know, I, I do really well in a more structured context. Like when I was in university, you know, okay, here are our breaks. We're all getting together. We're, <coughs> excuse me, sitting in a group and we're having lunch together and we're talking, but then university ends and it's so yeah. hard to maintain those connections, right? They don't, they don't stay as um, deep as they do when you have a more structured piece around it. So I think, yeah, I think for people like us, this, this is a great offering to keep those deeper connections going and then maintaining them. Yeah. And, and I think I keep coming back to that word of intentionality and I, but I do think that's what it is. And I think, you know, it's, it's not easy for all of us. It's not second nature, but when we're brave enough to step forward and prioritize ourselves and, and really invest the time and energy in it, um, when it comes with being intentional, we're much more likely to do it. If you ask me to show up at the park for a play date, like I might show up one out of the four times in the month, right? I'll find all the other excuses. But if I'm signed off and somebody's checking my name off and other people are waiting for me and sending me texts, you better believe I'll be there 10 minutes early. But, and I think that's where we have to honor where women are all different in this aspect. And we have to find different ways to create connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if women are interested in learning more about like community health, the wild collective, you know, 
Can you tell us where they can find more info and kind of where, where things are at with that? Yep, absolutely. So uh, women can go to probably the easiest thing is our social media at Bodyco, B-O-D-Y-C-O Toronto. Um, Instagram's probably the best. There's a link in our bio. We are about to close off this session now. We, as of today, have a few spots left. We have had a group of women express interest into a daytime one. So we're humming and hawing about that. But, you know, because community is such an important piece, we're not willing to run it unless we get enough people to make a really fantastic community. But this is something that we have invested in. We believe in it as part of our clinical model now. So while we will always continue to do one-on-one care, Wild Collective is going to cycle through our community at least three times a year. So if it's something that you're intrigued by, my suggestion would be put your name on our wait list. Um, that will be the people who get first access to the next session. If we don't have any spaces left on this one, um, it'll also put you within our community because we will be doing a lot of outreach, a lot of other opportunities, things along those lines. So I think the easiest thing is go to body coach Toronto on either Instagram or Facebook, um, and look for the links in our bio. Excellent. Fabulous. Melanie, I want to Thank you so much for taking time to uh, have a conversation with me about community health. I think that's definitely the move of the, you know, future is like building and creating more and more community to elevate and thrive as women. And I will also, for the listeners, put the links to the socials in the show notes. So it makes it a little bit easier for you to um, click that. And so thank you. Thank you. And you know, I'll, I'll leave us with one last thought. And I'm always so grateful to be able to chat with you. And you know, like I say, I appreciate another soul that I can nerd out with over all the, the science talk on this. I think Maddie, you and I are very aligned on that stuff. But I wholeheartedly believe I think it's probably my core belief that women are the custodians of health. And I think women have this very unique opportunity. We're very well positioned to elevate the health and wellness of not just our families, but our entire communities. But it's got to start with us first. We've got to be the model of it. So just to all those women out there who are thinking they just don't have the time, please, please acknowledge your stories. Please check and see if that's really the truth or if it's just the narrative you've been buying um, because you're so very worth it. And thank you. I appreciate your time and and letting me come and chat about all this. Yeah, of course. And I love that like final thought about us, you know, being custodians. And I agree. I think the time has come for us to, to return back. It's interesting how life kind of runs its cycles. And I think it's more than time that the cycle comes back to let's, let's help elevate our communities. Let's bring together women. Let's bring back some of the old ways of doing just in a new way, a new, new and modern way. Absolutely. All right. So I also want to take an opportunity to thank our listeners. And if you have a community of women that you know, and think that they would love to hear this message or would like to just share this out with the world, then please do share out the podcast episode. We would greatly appreciate that. And we say bye for now, and we'll connect with you on the next podcast. 
Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.